I created a business where uh, I was obligated to do a lot of things. I felt like I had to be on social media every day. I felt like I had to create a podcast every week, right? And even just that minor language of like having to do something versus having the opportunity to do something or getting to do something, um, that didn't feel good. Zach Spuckler is the host of the Heart, Soul, and Hustle podcast, and he created a super profitable online business selling digital courses around launching and Facebook ads when he was in his early 20s. In fact, his episode on Amy Porterfield's podcast about running challenges is my Bible to this day. But one day, mysteriously, he shut it all down to focus on one-on-one clients exclusively. And now, two years later, he's back and faces an uphill battle as he rebuilds his brand, basically from scratch. I don't have a massive audience right now because I switched and stopped posting on social media and my Instagram posts don't get a lot of reach and my Facebook engagement is is lower than it used to be. My name is Ina Koveni and I'm an online presence expert for online coaches. And I have interviewed many entrepreneurs about their starting out story, their mistakes, their failures and the learning curve. But this story is different. Zach is not a newbie, yet he's starting from scratch. So I asked him, what is he going to do differently this time around? And also I went ahead and asked him for some advice on getting started with Facebook ads and launching just for you. You're welcome. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the comeback kid, Zach Spuckler. This is The Global Phenomenon with Ina Koveni, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. Hello, everybody. I am super excited to introduce you today to the amazing Zach Spuckler. Hi, Zach. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Ina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I have so many questions for you. You don't even know. So let's just dive right in. Why don't you tell me what is your business and who do you serve? Yeah. So my name is Zach Spuckler. My company is Heart, Soul, and Hustle. And we work with digital-based businesses to help them scale their launches of their digital courses, group coaching programs, consulting practice, uh, by giving them a really clear system to follow that helps them launch successfully. And I have to say that I first became aware of you because you were featured in the Amy Porterfield um, Online Marketing Made Easy podcast talking about challenges. And I won't lie, that has been (laughs) my Bible for challenges. And it happens to be my favorite number is episode 144. I'm just going to say that right now. It's just like all synchronicity. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so that's why I love talking to you right now, because I want to really dive into how you became the success that you became, because everybody who's a lot of people who are listening to us, they're starting in their online coaching journey. And I want them a few years from now to be exactly where you are. I want to interview every single one of them for this podcast. So we're going to try to really dissect how you got here. So I want to go back to the beginning. Do you remember a time when you weren't thinking you were going to be an entrepreneur when you were a regular dude who thought you were just going to go to college and work for somebody else. Was there ever a time in your life that you thought that way? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting is that I made my first dollar online when I was 12. Um, And so I've always really been motivated to kind of generate my own income. 
But, you know, back in 2011, I graduated from high school and I did go to college. I went to college for four years and I started getting a master's degree as well, which I ultimately um, quit pursuing a master's degree to go full-time in my online business. Um, but there definitely was a time where I thought, you know, this is kind of what it is. It's, it's, I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to find a good job. I was working at a, a public health department and ultimately I just realized that that was not going to give me the fulfillment that I wanted long-term. You didn't start out just like selling out, uh, you know, digital programs and selling about learning about Facebook ads. The first thing you did was a food blog. Isn't that right? Yeah. So, yeah. you, so it's not like you were going to your parents and saying, I'm going to teach everybody about Facebook ads and I'm going to be super rich. You were like, I have an idea for a food blog. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So I had a food blog for a really long time. Um, and I loved that food blog. We took it from zero to 25,000 impressions a month in about six months. And we were getting really good traffic and really good engagement. Um, but ultimately I burnt out because I was, you know, I made what I think is a classic mistake, which is I took something that was a great hobby and I tried to monetize it. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with monetizing your hobby. Um, I know lots of people that have done it successfully, but sometimes when you monetize a hobby, I think there are certain times where they're just not meant to be monetized. Mm -hmm. They're just meant to be for your enjoyment. And, you know, I loved learning about food photography and Pinterest and all the marketing elements. And so after about, gosh, I would say probably a year of running that blog, um, I kind of started to realize that I didn't want to run a food blog full time. I wanted to market a food blog full time. That's what was really lighting me up was the marketing behind it. And so I made a really strategic pivot and I started talking to people about marketing and I was really mindful, you know, from day one, I think this is one thing that really stood out for me as, as like a strategic thing was that I never guaranteed or promised people something I hadn't created for myself. Mm -hmm. And that was hard when you're first starting, because not everybody's like, how do I get a hundred people on my email list? Or how do I run my first Facebook ad? Right. Not everybody's the target demographic for that, but I knew I could be in full alignment and integrity by basically teaching what I knew. Yeah. And as I did more, I learned more. And so after a couple of years, I could talk about, you know, running a multiple five-figure launch. I could talk about running challenges successfully. I could talk about how I built a platform. I could talk about Facebook ads. So I think that, you know, the food blog was a fantastic start because it helped me identify what I really loved about the online space. But ultimately I ended up doing more around marketing because that's what lit me up. That's what got me excited was seeing the spike in traffic, seeing the spike in Pinterest, seeing the people subscribing to the email list. That's what really got me, got me pumped. Do you remember your first launch? Hmm. I do. Um, my first launch with the food blog was actually relatively successful. Um, we made a few hundred dollars. Uh, it was a, it was a three week, um, meal planning, meal prep and, um, plant-based eating course. And that went pretty well. We made a few hundred dollars. Um, it was great. I also did some stuff with Kickstarter, um, except I didn't use Kickstarter. I used uh, Indiegogo to raise some money uh, when I wanted to go to an event for the blog. And so all of that, you know, was really, really cool. Um, but my first launch with Heart, Soul and Hustle was like a total disaster. And um, it was a disaster because we priced the program at 147. We sold three copies. One person asked for a refund. One person wanted to exchange it for coaching. 
And one person was like, yeah, it's not that great, but you can keep the money because I think you've got great vision and this will go somewhere one day, um, which was a little deflating, right? But you know, in retrospect, it's really clear why that launch failed because it wasn't really a launch and it didn't really serve a need in the audience. So um, the course was actually about creating organic reach on Facebook and our the way that we language and position it was like, well, if they don't want to spend money on, on advertising or marketing, why would they spend the money on the course to do it for free? They don't want to spend money, right? So that was mistake number one. And mistake number two is that we started acting like a launch is just, oh, you create something, you put it out there for a limited time, that's a launch. And it's like a launch is way more intricate. It's emails, it's advertising, it's marketing, it's um, what happens before the launch, it's the content you're creating. And so we didn't really officially launch it the way we should have. Um, I don't think we even did a webinar. No, we did do a webinar, but it didn't go great. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody starts somewhere. And I think, you know, the food blog space, when I got into it, wasn't as saturated as it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, just like the online marketing space is a lot more saturated now, but it's like, you've got to get clear that that saturation just means your marketing and your messaging needs to be really good. And that was the big takeaway from that launch is like, we really need to up our marketing and messaging game. Yeah. Um, for anybody who's listening right now, and they're basically taking notes on, well, I'm going to plan a launch. I want to know what are the things that were not working well for Zach and his first launch. Yeah. Um, I want them to walk away with a lesson of, all right, do do not do these three things and do these three things. Can we cover that just really quick to hammer that point home? Absolutely. So the three things that I would do are number one, I would plan. So I'd plan your launch out. Like when I'm uh, like, I actually have it open on my computer. I've got a list of all the podcasts that are coming out for our um, audience over the next 12 weeks, what ads we want to be running, what our list goals are. So plan things out. Second thing is reverse engineer your metrics. So um, we can go down this rabbit hole, but we don't have to. But basically I tell people, I want to validate um, what it's going to take to hit my goals. So a lot of times people go into a launch and they're like, I have a thousand dollars to spend and I want to make $10,000. And it's like, well, depending on your strategy and your marketing and your audience size, that might not be enough. And that's okay. Um, that's where you're starting, right? So you know, that's, that's the second thing is reverse engineer the metrics, determine what you need to spend, what you need to generate, what you need to convert at. And then the third thing I'll say is really dial in your sales page, your message and your conversional strategy. So if you're doing a challenge, really spend the time to create a good challenge. If you're doing a webinar, really spend the time to create good slides. If you're doing a video series, really take the time to script them out because when it comes time to get them into your message and get them to your sales page, you want the message to be compelling enough that they want to buy. Um, so those are the three things I would do. Three things I wouldn't do are number one, I would not be flying by the seat of my pants in a, in a launch. So I want to have emails written in advance. Maybe I'm scheduling them in real time. Maybe I'm responding in real time. Maybe I'm tweaking some stuff in real time based on what's happening. But for the most part, I want I, I don't want to be writing an email at the 11th hour and I don't want to be writing five emails on cart close day. It's a lot of pressure and it's not going to serve you well. Second thing that I don't want to do inside of a launch is I never want to um, overspend my metrics. So just like we said, you know, you need to calculate your metrics. You also, if you're running ads, you don't want to overspend on your cost per lead if it's not going to be profitable. So you need to know your numbers so that you're operating in profit when you're generating leads. And then the final thing that I'll say about a launch is that you never want to quit mid-launch. 
So I have a, a friend that, and you know, you've all heard the saying, like, it's not over till it's over. I have people that have done launches where everything looks doom and gloom. And then the last 24 to 48 hours, it totally turns around. So never quit in the middle of a launch just because the numbers aren't where you want them to be. Cause that last 24 to 48 hours can be absolutely pivotal. I love that. Uh, we're going to put that in the show notes so everybody can just like go back and get it. You don't have to be writing anything down. Um, but at this point, in your story, we're still, you know, you're trying these launches. You're trying to see how they work, right? You're not a Facebook ads expert at this point, but you're realizing that no. you're liking the marketing, right? I want to ask you, where does your grit come from? Where does the, you know, okay, this webinar did horribly, but here I go dusting myself off and we're going to try it again and we're going to try it right. Where does that come from? You know, I don't really know where the the grit comes from. I think that what has really compelled me to keep moving forward is that I'm very motivated by, you know, having a bigger vision for my life, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always struggled with vision, um, but like, you know, and I'm, I'm actually like, to be really transparent, I'm still working on my vision and what I want my life to look like. But I knew, you know, five years ago that I wanted to move to California, that I wanted to buy a house, that I wanted to, um, you know, have nice things, so to speak. And so um, I do tend to be more motivated by money, though, less so once you hit a certain level of, of revenue, you, you know, the money doesn't seem to make a difference, right? Um, but I'm motivated by creating a life that I want. So looking at where I am now and where I want to be that is what gives me the grit. It's like, okay, this is great, but now I want to pay off my house. Or this is great, but now I want to travel to Europe. A little hard right now. Um, depends on when you're listening to this, but uh, crazy thing called 2020. We can't really travel to Europe right now. Um, but I want to do those things. And so that that motivates me to be like, I'm doing this so that I can create that. I also think there's this element of like, some things are just... Um, exciting, right? So if you're doing what you love, which, you know, I think is kind of overplayed in our space is like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life is like, I work, right? I put in, I put in the work. Um, But I enjoy it. I like recording the podcast. I like creating content. I like um, engaging with my audience. I like writing emails. And so doing things that I enjoy really helps me kind of keep going when sometimes I'm doing stuff I don't enjoy. Like, um, believe it or not, I don't love writing Facebook ad copy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really light me up. It doesn't get me overly excited, but I love setting up and running the Facebook ad. I love watching the metrics and the results roll in. So it's like, you know, there, there's this element of like um, figuring out what gets you excited and what lights you up. That's going to serve you as well. Yeah. And I, we can see that in your journey because we're about to get to the most interesting part which is you go and you make yourself a really nice business. You got some courses going evergreen. You have your digital courses out there and people are consuming them. People are loving what you're doing. And then you say, and I'm sure it wasn't as sudden as this, but then you say, I'm going to shut down all of these courses that I have built over all these years. And I'm going to go for the agency model and I'm going to serve people one-on-one. So first of all, I want you to illustrate for us before you decided to say, okay, I'm shutting down, I'm going agency, before that happened, what was, what did your business feel like to you? What did you have going on? What had you built and how did it feel to be the CEO of it at that time? Yeah. I mean, the reality was the business was great. Like things were going really 
really well. Revenue was good. Team was good. Everything was really processed out. Um, the problem was that I had created a business and this is what I'm actually working to not create this time around. I created a business where uh, I was obligated to do a lot of things, mm. right? And I like, look, at the end of the day, there is obligation in your business, right? You, you're obligated to deliver to your clients. You're obligated to show up on social media. But I felt like I had to be on social media every day. I felt like I had to create a podcast every week, right? And even just that minor language of like having to do something versus having the opportunity to do something or getting to do something, mm -hmm. um, that didn't feel good. And, you know, I've learned a lot since then and I've set up really good team structure. And one of the reasons I came back is that the agency model is great, but I found that I was in a similar position, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still responsible for these things. And so, you know, I'm still... Um, you know, processing and working through and thinking about these things um, because I love my agency clients and I still, I'm still retaining a few agency clients as we start creating more courses. Um, I still work with agency clients. I still love our agency clients. Um, but what I realized was that, you know, having 15 agency clients is just as, it's just as much work as having the course business, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that I switched the agency models to like work less because that you definitely don't in an agency mm -hmm. work less. Um, but I switched to that model because I wanted something different, right? Mm -hmm. And after two years, I, I did a whole podcast episode on this, but after two years of running the agency, like a lot of things came into focus and things that I wanted to change and didn't want to change, um, Revenue has been great in the agency, but I just feel like it's time to start serving my audience again. And uh, I don't have a massive audience right now because I switched and stopped posting on social media and my Instagram posts don't get a lot of reach and my Facebook engagement is, is lower than it used to be. Um, but the flip side of that is I've learned a lot from running the agency and, and running a course business. And that is that, you know, I don't want to create a business where I feel responsible and obligated for other people. Mm -hmm. And that sounds really almost self-serving in the sense that you're like, but you are responsible. You have customers and you have clients and you have all these people, but it's like, you know, if you work with coaches or you work with consultants, what they'll tell you is like, we're not responsible for other people's success, mm -hmm. right? We're responsible for showing up. We're responsible for doing a good job. We're responsible for being professional with our, with our clients. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, really specific example, we worked with a client launching their first course. They spent multiple five figures on ads and then the launch flopped, didn't do well. And it's like, you know, in the agency, I felt personally responsible for that. But the reality is we brought in leads at a good cost. We brought in the right leads. Um, we spent the budget we were given and the conversional strategy just didn't work. And so when I looked at both the course business and the agency model, that's what I realized I wasn't loving was these, these feelings of I'm responsible for everyone's success and you can't be, it'll, it'll wear you down. It'll, it'll be the death of you for lack of a better phrase. And that's what I realized. That was my big takeaway from running the agency was like, I do, um, I don't want to create a business where I feel personally responsible for every customer. And now that I've worked through and processed that in a, in a higher capacity, I think that I'm less afraid to come back because I'm like, I'm going to do everything I can, but I'm not going to feel 
responsible for other people. And I think that that has made a huge difference. I, I think that's, that's exactly right. It's like, um, you know, I, when I purchase a course, I don't expect that particular coach to be responsible for how I do in that exactly. course. I take full responsibility for it. If I end up not doing all the work or if I end up doing it and it's still not working, you bet that I'm not going back and asking for my money back. I, I am an educated CEO in that I know what services are being are available to me and I purchase those services at my own expense, at my own risk, at my own discretion, and then I use them. So I think it's really important, like even for, for everybody to hear that in this world where we are creating these kind of services, we also have to create a culture of accountability and of self-responsibility and that you can invest in a lot of things that are just not going to work. And pointing fingers is not something that is going to be serving you in the long run. So I think that what I found, if I may, what I see in you is a really, uh, a real hunger for excitement, a real hunger for I want to fulfill my full potential and I want to do it every single day. And I want to do it in a way that feels great to me. And yeah. somehow I, I see this more like you enjoy basically building Rome up and then tearing it down and starting from scratch because that challenge, that challenge is incredible. That challenge feels great. It's the same reason why I love moving. It's a brand new start. It doesn't mean that my old stuff didn't work. It means that now I get a clean slate and let's do it all over again. Does that resonate at all with you? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that as an entrepreneur, something that I'm learning is that I need to be better at that um, because there is a detriment to being in a cycle where you love what you do and then you tear it down and then you do this, and then you tear it down. And so, you know, I've definitely identified that pattern. I've actually talked to a couple of mentors about it. And the reality is that, you know, you can't just keep starting over, right? So, you know, what's nice about what I'm doing now is that even though I'm kind of starting over, I still have an email list. I still have course uh, content. Um, I still have agency clients. And so even though I'm repositioning the business, I would say that this time I was a little more strategic about not being like, I'm done closing the doors, everything's <laughs> over. This time I was more like, What's the transition plan to not be starting from square zero this time around? Before we keep going, I want to kind of pause a little bit here and say, thank you so much for sharing that journey with us. Because I, one thing that stops us from starting our businesses even is that fear that what if I would change my mind later? And you mm -hmm. are proof that it's, it's okay. You just have to start. Can you speak to a little bit about that? If you have someone in front of you telling you, I'm afraid of starting because what if that's not the thing that I want to do forever? Yeah, well, you don't have to do anything forever. And I look at my business as a big experiment, right? So I think, you know, the way that I view my business is like, I'm just, I'm just experimenting. I'm just seeing what works. I'm just seeing what I can get away with, what, what I can try. Right. And I don't mean like the, what can I get away with sense? It's like, what, what can I like legitimately do and play with and have fun with that's going to get me results. And I think if you're worried that you're going to choose the wrong thing, like you can't, because especially in the age of the internet, you can change what you do. You can, you can change how you present yourself. You can change your marketing. You can change your messaging you can go from a personal brand to an agency brand to a physical product brand. Like there's so many options. And I think if you're stuck saying, well, I don't know if this is what I want to do forever. 
then there's a good chance, <clears throat> there's a good chance that you're just kind of procrastinating or you're just waiting mm-hmm. or you're just, I don't want to say creating excuses, but you're creating roadblocks for yourself. And it's better to just go out there and try something and fail massively and learn from it than it is to go out there, try something um, or not try something, I should say. So, you know, get out there, do the work, you know, try it, right? Because the worst thing that happens is that you succeed. And the best thing that happens is you fail and you learn from it. Now that you are coming back to the digital course era and um, I do have to say, I am really excited to see how you're going to be presenting this. What are all the lessons that you have learned from running already this kind of business successfully? I am very interested to see all the things that you're going to do differently. Can you outline them a little bit for us? What are the things that you are going to do differently in this new iteration of your business? Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is that I've always been um, really keen on creating content, not promoting that content. So one thing that we're doing differently this time around is that we're really an actively promoting content. So normally I've been very much of the mindset that like your launch builds your email list. So when you want to get a big burst in your email list, you just launch. Um, but what I'm doing now is building my email list between launches. I'm creating content between launches. I'm back in my podcast. And that's another thing that's a little different is we're actually mapping out the podcast weeks to months in advance um, so that they're in alignment with our launches. We're also planning our launches a few months in advance, whereas previously I'd be like, okay, we're going to launch in February and then January would roll around. And I'd be like, all right, we got to go. We got to figure this out. And now it's like, you know, it's November and we're mapping out our February launch and that's months and months away. We're figuring out our budget and our goals and how much we want to spend and how we're going to promote the podcast. And then The third thing is that we're really promoting the podcast, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm doing these interviews to talk about my podcast, because if somebody listens to your podcast, they probably like podcasts. Hopefully they like me and then they'll come listen to mine. Um, So we're also actively promoting the podcast. We are actively engaging our audience. And then the other thing is we are, we're challenging, um, and this one I'm, I'm a little excited about, we're kind of challenging the notion that to be successful, you need to have a 997 course. And we're going to work with people who want to be lower priced, who want to have memberships, um, who might not be ready to charge $1,000 for a customer, who might not have the infrastructure to charge $1,000 for a customer. So we're going to work really closely to help people challenge that status quo, especially in the online marketing space, um, starting with how we price our courses. Um, We might have options where it's like higher touch, but we want to we want to reach people who are like, I want to have that first successful launch, but they don't want to spend their entire marketing budget to do that. So those are some of the things that we're doing a little bit differently. Um, We still want to deliver an A-class experience. We still want to create amazing content, but yeah, we're, we're doing things a little bit differently. I love it. And for anybody who's listening, I think it would be a complete disservice if I didn't ask you a little bit about Facebook ads. So this is one thing that everybody thinks is the silver bullet, right? It's like, well, I just need to put some, (laughs) your eyes just roll so far back of your head that, um, so that's what everybody thinks, right? It's like, well, I just need to start putting money into Facebook ads. And I'm going to tell you, I learned this the complete hard way to this day. I am not a big investor in Facebook ads because it flopped so badly the first time that I threw money at it that I have been very gun shy about getting back into it, right? I went and I hired myself uh, an agency and I thought, you know, like like you're saying, like, oh, 
I, I'll just hire a professional and they'll take care of it. And then things will blow up and things will be wonderful. Right. But I it didn't have the mailing list behind it. I didn't have like any leads. I was just starting out. So I threw a whole bunch of money at Facebook ads and it got me an extremely low number of people in my mailing list. And I'm like, why did I just do that for? So clearly I'm not doing things right. So if anybody's listening right now and they're like, well, I'm planning on starting with Facebook ads, what yeah. would be the thing that you have to say? Like, okay, this is what you need to know before you dive in. These are the things that are required. How, how can we make people more successful when they first dive into Facebook ads? Yeah, well, I think the first thing to understand about Facebook ads is that you need to learn them right? And I say there's two ways to learn them. You either invest with somebody who's done them or you spend your own money and try and figure it out. And it's a lot cheaper to invest in someone who's done it. Watch a free webinar, go to YouTube. Um, you know, I don't necessarily mean you have to invest money. You can invest time. Generally, when you invest money, it's a little bit faster, but it's like, you also want to be mindful that it costs money. Facebook is in the business of making money which means their job is to get you to spend money on the platform. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean their job is for you to make money on the platform. So just be mindful that you need to really educate yourself before you get in there and be before you start kind of playing around with what is and isn't going to work. That's the first thing. The second thing is you need to have clear outcomes. So a lot of people are like, I'm going to build my email list because that's what I've heard. It's like, if I, if I spend money on my email list, then I'll have a big launch. And it's like, but what's the end game? right? Is it once I hit a hundred emails, I'm going to promote to them and I'm going to get my first customer. Is it once I get a thousand emails, I'm going to do a webinar. Is it once I hit 10,000 emails, I'm going to do a big launch. Like you have to have that end game in mind because a lot of people think, oh, if I spend money on marketing then I'm going to create revenue. And it's like, well, do you have a funnel? If you're running things passively, do you have a launch plan? If you're running things actively? So that's the other thing I would say. And then the last thing I'll say about ads is don't spend what you're not willing to lose. Hmm. And I think that's a big one is like, you know, every time you invest in Facebook ads, yes, it's an educated investment, but it's a risk. Mm -hmm. You're taking a risk, right? So I just want you to keep that in mind that, you know, if it doesn't work, are you going to be in deep trouble? So like for us, we don't spend more than we can realistically spend on ads. And that means the last thing I'll say is that you, you want to scale up intentionally. And what I mean by that is a lot of people are like, oh, I've got my big launch coming up. I've saved $5,000 and I'm going to go all in, right? And I'm like, it's probably better to spend $1,000 on your first launch, then a couple thousand, then 5,000, then 10, then 20, then 30. Let it scale up over time, right? Don't be so eager to have that massive six-figure launch or multiple six-figure launch that you're throwing caution to the wind and making poor choices. Because I've seen entrepreneurs do this where they're like, I've spent more than I have, or I've put it on a credit card. And I don't encourage that, but I want you to be mindful that that's going to come back in the long run if it doesn't work out to bite you. So you just want to be careful about how, when, and what you're investing with Facebook ads. And I don't really want to say careful. I want to see mindful. You want to be mindful of what you're doing. Is it a good idea to do Facebook ads if you have zero audience right Absolutely. now? Tell Absolutely. Tell me more. Yeah. If you have no audience, Facebook ads are a great way to grow your audience but you've got to have an end goal for that audience. It's like, if you have no products, you, you're still identifying your niche. You don't know what you want to do. You maybe have an idea of what you want to sell, but you run Facebook ads. Um, there's no end goal there, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're like, I want to get a hundred people on my list so I can start growing my blog traffic and I want to promote my Pinterest graphics 
and maybe I'll, you know, make, I'll spend $500 to grow my list and then I'll sell something for 300 and try to sell three of them, you know, and profit a little bit. It's like, you just want to be thinking what's the end game here? Because if the end game is I want to build my audience, lots of people have a big audience and don't make money. Right. Mm -hmm. But lots of people have a small audience and make killer money. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind that it's not, it is a numbers game, but it's not a, how do I get more than everybody else kind of game. Love it. Thank you so much for covering all of that with us and for being so so open with your story because it's really going to help so many people. And I can't wait to watch you create the kind of business that we're all going to be following. It's like, did everybody see what Zach just did? And we're just going to want to mimic it because there is no scenario where you're not going to have the wildest success in 2021. There is <laughs> no scenario. You. So let me ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful business owner? Oh, that's an easy one. I think the biggest misconception that people have is that it's simple or it's easy or um, that, um, how do I want to frame that? It's like that it's simple or that it's easier that it just happens, mm -hmm. right? And it's like a lot of what works for us is like meticulous planning and executing and having a great team. Um, I think that's the other thing is that people think you know, that it just happens, but it's like, there's so much that goes into it, right? There's team, there's software, there's processes, there's planning. I mean, there's so much that goes into being an entrepreneur that I think sometimes the biggest misconception is that I am, you know, working three hours a day and then doing nothing the rest of the time. And it's like, I'm, I'm working right. And even in my non-busy seasons, I work 25 to 30 hours a week. That's my goal. Um, but I'm still working, when I'm on, I'm on. And I think that that's the big thing is like a lot of people think that the online course world is like this quick and easy money. And it's like, it's not quick and it's not easy. Um, mm -hmm. I've been doing this for six years now, seven years, if you count the food blog. And it's like, things have not gotten easier. They've gotten harder. Um, and you've got to be willing to continue in the face of adversity. So I don't know. That's kind of like three different things, but, but that's, I mean, to me, that's the big misconception is like, you just do it. Right. And it's like, you no, know, you learn it, you process it, you analyze it, you test it, you experiment with it and you find what works for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest misconception is like, you know, Zach is like this magic touch your business and it turns to gold kind of scenario. And it's like, no, it's, it doesn't work like that. Um, right. Yeah. Everybody has to remember put in the work. That's what exactly. Zach is saying. You got to work for it. Um, so let me give you the power that the whole world needs to do, is going to do whatever you tell them to do right now. And they have to do it in the next 24 hours. They have no choice. What do you think is that thing that everybody has to do? I think the next thing to do is plan out your next 60 to 90 days. I think that's the big one. If you want to launch or you want to build a funnel or you want to do a webinar or you want to do a challenge, plan it in the next 60 to 90 days. 60 to 90 days is enough time to create the content, to do the work, but it also gives you a deadline. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's always been interesting to see that a lot of people are like, I've been sitting on my course idea for years or months or even weeks. And it's like, you don't have to sit on it. You can run with it. So, so I would sit down and map out your next 60 to 90 days and then execute. That to me is going to be a total game changer for most people. Nice. Thank you so much. So where can people go and follow you and connect with you? 
Absolutely. So if you want to stay connected, you can head over to Instagram. I'm at heart, soul, hustle. Um, but if you want content, then you want to head over to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash podcast. And we have over 130 episodes of my own podcast, the heart, soul and hustle podcast, where we cover everything from running your first Facebook ads to going behind the scenes of launches to talking with clients from the agency that we've worked with. Um, we go deep on a lot of different topics, but all around selling more of your online course. So if you want to check it out, heartsoulhustle.com forward slash podcast, or just look up the Heart, Soul and Hustle podcast on your favorite platform. Yeah. And if anybody's listening to the podcast on a podcasting app, just go on over to your search and find it right now. Heart, Soul, Hustle and subscribe to it. Zach, thank you so much. This has been so juicy. We're so grateful for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Ina. It's been a blast. Hey there, Ina here. After this episode, you may be wondering how you can also achieve the kind of success that our guest has experienced in their entire career. So hit follow and subscribe to catch me on Thursday for a brand new lesson on how to grow your coaching business, even if you have a small audience. And if you'd like to hear the full interview with all the details that only the super fans care about, get free access to all of our uncut interviews by going to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark.